God. Let's give this choir another hand. Amen. Amen. Let's give Sister Jaleesa a hand. Amen. Let's give Elder Robinson and the keyboard a hand and Brother Josh. Amen. Amen. Surely God is in this place on today. Amen. Amen. Just one quick thing before we go into the word of God. Elder Hodges has an announcement that she wants to make. Just one quick thing. Amen. Give her a hand as she comes. God is a help. God is a help. As you all know, we're going to have a Christmas party for the children right after church. But at this particular time, I want to give some special thanks. I want each and every one of you to turn to your neighbor. I don't care if you weren't here last Sunday. I don't care if you were this. Turn to your neighbor and say, thank you for loving God. Thank you for loving God. Because of you and your generosity, we're able to have a party. And don't think that anybody jumped up on their own. We don't have a party. I went to Pastor Swims because he is the pastor of this church. And once he gave his permission, then we began to move. And through your offering last Sunday, mothers exceptionally stepped in. Sister Brenda, would you stand? This woman has been working since Thanksgiving, since Thanksgiving, to start what we have accomplished today. And you know, you don't always know. Some people are not, you know, loud, boisterous, and always in the spotlight. But we are so thankful for the blessings that she's done. Sister Candace always steps up to the plate, and I thank her. I thank her. But before I sit down, after thanking everybody, you know, I was at Walmart last night getting the rest of the Christmas stuff for the kids. And then this man came up to me, a short man, and I know short. My husband said I can sit on a curb and dangle my leg, so I know short. Okay? So he came up to me, and he was of another race, and he said, lady, lady. And I turned around looked him straight in the eye. And I said, yes. He said, God told me to come over to you and to give you this money. And you know, humble Hodges, I don't know how to take gifts humbly and, you know, I feel I'm so undeserving. But God's spirit began to deal with me. And I looked at him. He said, oh, God told me to give you this money. And all I could do, I was so overwhelmed that all I could do was just hug him, hug him. And say, praise God. And then as I, I got the rest of the stuff for the kids, 40, and I began to go down the aisle, I wanted to look at him and give him a thumbs up or a smile of, of thank you again. Couldn't find him. Went up and down every aisle of Walmart. Couldn't find him. You know Walmart was packed. So I want to thank God. I want to thank God. For even in this season, just establishing himself as God. Because some things you can't explain. Some things you may not understand. But God is letting us know today, he is God. And as a special thanks to the mothers, what he gave me, I'm bringing down and I'm giving you to continue your work as being a foundation, a sounding board, counselors, 
and always being there for the needs of the church as well as our individual needs. Amen. Let's give Elder Hodges and her crew another hand. Amen. 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 Now it's time for the word of God. Amen. If you have your Bibles, go with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. Just one verse for you this morning. 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 12. Amen. Thank God for Mother Dr. Anderson, too. Amen. For working alongside of Elder Hodges. Amen. Everyone that helped, we thank God for him. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. When you have it, say amen. I'll be reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. And it reads as this. Well, I still, I still hear pages turn around. I'll let you find it. Hallelujah. Amen. I thank God for Evangelist Jean Martin being with us on this morning, her and her daughter. Just lift your hands so we can see you. Amen. We thank God for her being with us on today. Uh, Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. It reads as this. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Let me read that again. Oh, our God. Will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Turn to your neighbor and say, and ask your neighbor this question. Say, neighbor, what do you do when you don't know what to do? Come on, find somebody else and ask them that same question. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Father God, we thank you for your presence and we thank you for your spirit that's already in this house, oh God. And we ask and pray now, Lord God, that you, that your anointing will flow in this place, oh God, like never before. God, I pray, Lord God, that you have me behind the cross, oh God, that be less of me and more of you, oh God. I pray that you give me uh, preaching and teaching power on this day, Lord God, so that we can make the devil a liar once again. We thank you, Lord God, for your presence. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your glory. And we thank you for your anointing, oh God, because without you, we can do absolutely nothing nothing oh god we cannot even lift our hands if you don't give our body the right signal to be able to do it oh god we can't even open our eyes or wink our eyes or move our finger or move our toes oh god unless you give the body permission to do so and we thank you for that god and we ask all these things in your name we pray and we say amen you may be seated in the presence of the lord what do you do when you don't know what to do here in second chronicles we have here we see many, a lot of transition of leaderships among the children of Israel. They go from one king to another king, from one king to another king, from one king to another king. And God was looking for a king. He was looking for a leader. He was looking for someone who would start off well and finish. Well. He was looking for individuals who would listen to him and look to him for guidance, look to him um, for support, who would look to him for everything that they needed. Some were after their own things. Some had their own agenda. Some were on power trips. Some didn't want to listen. Uh, didn't want to listen to those that God had placed around them that was giving them godly advice, giving them godly wisdom. But they had their own mindset. They knew how they wanted to do it. It was going to go their way or no way at all. And they failed to acknowledge God in what they were doing. 
And so every king that came, they started off well, they started off on the right track, but then they soon, they soon turned to their own desires, they soon turned to their own flesh, and they ended up failing because they failed to remember God. God was just, again, God was just looking for someone who he could be able to use as an instrument to be able to accomplish his work. And now we have here um, King Jehoshaphat, who names mean Yahweh judges. And so King Jehoshaphat is here. He's, he started his reforms over in chapter 19. He's been shaking and moving. He's been moving things around, been setting things into place. He's been turning the hearts back to the people towards God, been bringing them back um, towards God. And now one of his members comes and tells him, Pastor Bishop, Minister, elder, there's a great multitude that is coming, and they can annihilate us. They can take us out. They're going to kill us. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. And so now, just Jehoshaphat has three things that he could do. He could either give up, he could back up, or he could step up. Those are the three options that three options that Jehoshaphat has at this time right now. And so the Bible says that fear came upon him, and the one thing that he only knew what to do, and that was to go and to seek God in prayer and to proclaim a fast all over the land that nobody was eating. The kids weren't eating, the animals weren't eating, no one was eating. Everybody was turning their hearts towards God because Jehoshaphat realized that in this situation, in this crisis that we are in right now, the only way we're gonna be able to get out of this is through the mighty hand of God supernaturally intervening in the midst of us and turning all this out for our good now what sometimes we fail to realize saints of God is sometimes in the midst of a crisis what was meant to separate us from God is really to bring us closer to God but we get so caught up in the flesh we get so caught up in our emotions we get so caught up in everything that's going around us and we fail to remember just how awesome and just how powerful and just how mighty God is and that no matter what you may be facing no matter what you may be going through no matter what how things may be looking no matter how you may feel about the certain things that's going on in your life God is yet still God God is yet still God. And the Bible says that he can do any and everything but fail. Failure is not even part of his character. Failure is not even a part of who he is. He can do any and everything but fail. But in the midst of a crisis, I must still be able to recognize and to know that what the enemy may be trying to do for good, for bad, God's going to turn that stuff around for my good. And that he's working everything out for my good. And even what I'm going through, even how I feel, even the emotions, even the, 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 the things that's going on in my mind, I must still go closer and closer cling towards God. I ask somebody, listen, I got a question for you this morning, saints. Who do you depend on? Who do you depend on? We have more faith in man than we do God. We have more faith in our jobs than we do God. We have more faith in our, in our, in our 401 plans and our, our, all that different stuff more than we do, more than we have faith in God. It's a dangerous thing to put your life in the hands of man. Because man will do whatever it wants to do with you. Man will turn you around. Man will flip you around. Man will turn you on. Man will turn you off. But when you place yourself in, when you place your life in the hands of the almighty God, despite what may be coming in your life, despite what may be going on around you, God will give you rest in the midst of the storm. God will give you peace in the midst of the storm. You, everything around you is being blown away. Everything is being tossed and turned. But in the midst of what you're going through, God will give you a peace in the Bible that says that surpasses all understanding. 
that you don't even know why you're so peaceful. You don't even understand why you have so much joy. You don't even understand why you're able to handle what you're going through, but you're able to handle it because you realize who God is and you realize who you are dependent on. Jehoshaphat could have easily just used my sanctified imagination when they came and told him, they said, listen, we got three countries that's coming after us. The Bible does not tell us that these countries did something to them. They don't say they had a problem or an issue with them. But the Bible just says that three countries were coming. A great multitude was coming against Jehoshaphat. And he could have easily been swayed by the wind that was being blown. And what we have to realize, saints of God, is some of us, we have to grow up. We have, to, we have to grow up spiritually in the Lord. We have to mature in the things of God. We have to stop being so, every time a wind blows, we're tossed this way. Every time a wind blows from the east, we go to the east. Every time the wind blows from the south, we go to the north. We have to stop being so tossed to and fro whenever something happens in our lives. We must be stable and confident in knowing who God is and knowing who our help is and knowing who our creator is. We have to grow up in the things of God. Somebody can just blow on you and you'll go this way. Somebody can look at you the wrong way and you go this way. But we have to stand rooted in God because he is our support no matter what's going on. He is who we can depend on no matter what. As somebody was saying this morning, as Sister Ross was saying, when your mother's not there, when your father's not there, when your spouse isn't there, when your friend isn't there, God will always be there. And not only will he always be there, just when you think he's not about to show up, God will show up just in the nick of time, just when you need him, when you are about to throw in the towel, God will show up and to remind you about who he is in your life. Jehoshaphat is in a tough place because this issue was not only just concerning him but it's concerning the whole people of Judah that's under his care this whole nation and, he, and he's in a tough place God what do God what do I do I get this news I get this text message I get this email I get this phone call I read in the paper about what is about to happen and I'm, I, and I'm wondering God what am I going to do one thing that we have to learn saints of God that when we are in the midst of a crisis I gotta give it to you like the Lord gave it to me that when we are in the midst of a crisis God is God uses things like that to increase the anointing that's upon our lives many of us we want an anointing we want to be bad we want to be bold for Jesus Christ but we don't want to go through anything Listen, the Bible says this, there could be no anointing upon your life until you go through some stuff in your life. Because it's through those times that you're going through, the tough times, the crisis, the things, that, the way that you don't know how things are going to work out, the times you don't know how things are going to work out, how they're going to happen. It's in those times that God, one, is showing you who he is. And secondly, he's, he's increasing the anointing that is upon your life. Listen, you better watch what you say about people when they're going through certain things, when they're going through certain things in their lives, because the very ones that you may be talking about, those are the ones that God is molding and shaping and maturing and fashioning and get them ready and increasing their anointing. And you're going to wonder, why are they so bold after the storm? Why are they so, well, why do they have so much joy after the storm? Because they realize that what was meant to take me out, God is using that thing to increase the anointing that is on my life everybody wants to be everybody want everything now but God I, Lord, I'm just going to go down the prayer line and have the preacher slap my head with the oil and then I'm going to be anointed no you will not 
You can be bathed in oil. You can be slapped with oil. It does not matter how the oil gets on you, but until you experience the oil in your own life of going through some trials and tribulations, then you can say, no, 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 no. Not that I'm trying to brag, not that I'm trying to be arrogant, but I know I am anointed. I know there's an anointing upon my life after all the things that God has taken me through and of all the things that I had to face when nobody else was there with me, that God was there with me, that you realize that you have the anointing of God upon your life, but we want everything just to happen now. We want everything to happen now. Listen, you know, I, I like using illustration. The best illustration I can use is food. <laughs> Got to give it to you like the Lord gave it to me. I don't like canned green beans. Don't like them. You know, you get them out the can, they got the water and everything, you put it in the pot. You just warmed up some water and some green stuff. That's it. But the thing of doing that is something quick. It's quick. You want some green beans, toss them in the thing, put a little salt or whatever, you're done. You got your green beans five, you know, four or five minutes. They're done. But when you take the time and begin to season those green beans and put those green beans on the pot and put some meat in those green beans so that the meat can serenade and get all the way down into the beans so that when you lift up the beans out the pot, the meat just falling off. The meat just falling off all down in the pot. And sometimes you have to allow the beans to stay on the stove. They won't be on there for just five minutes. You got to let the beans stay on the stove for a little while, 30, 45, maybe an hour, just so they can get real good and tender. You can smell the aroma before you you even walk out of the kitchen before they even all the way done, Kathy. You begin to smell the aroma for the beans. Now, listen, the benefit now, I got my canned green beans. That's all well and good because I get them quick. I get them done. I'm eating. But the purpose, and, and you know, they satisfy the feeling. But still, when I allow those beans to go on the pot and to last a little bit longer, it may take longer, but it's going to be worth it in the end. Why will it be worth it in the end? Because the beans are going to taste so much better because I allowed the beans to go through the process of being seasoned. When you allow yourself, when you yield yourself to the mighty hand of God and you allow yourself to be seasoned by God, it may take a little long. It may not go the way that you want it to. You may not be on the track that you desire to be on, but when you allow yourself to be seasoned by God, when you allow yourself to go through the process of God, it may take you a long time. It may take a couple of years. It may take a couple of months, but when you come out of what you was in, when you come out of the pot, you're going to come out as pure gold and you're going to be ready for whatever it is that God has for you in that season but we have to allow ourselves to go through we have to allow ourselves to go through the process of being seasoned by God so that he can mold us so that he can shape us so that he can fashion us into what he desires us to be Jehoshaphat you have a great multitude of people that's coming against you I'm crazy to believe you had somebody ready for Jehoshaphat to mess up. Looking, oh, what what this old king going to do now? Waiting for him to mess up. And Jehoshaphat says, listen, what we're going to do, we're going to pray. But I believe before Jehoshaphat prayed, the one thing that he had to do, the Bible says that fear came upon Jehoshaphat. The one thing Jehoshaphat had to do was, Elder Robinson, he had to fight his fear. He had to fight his fear. Listen, when a crisis come up and things start going on in your life, fear will come into your life. Why? That's the human side coming in. 
That's that flesh coming in, creeping in, trying to take over, trying to rule, trying to do what it desires to do. And the flesh comes in and fear comes in and it paralyzes you. And you can't move. It's not that you're waiting on God. You can't move because of fear, because you're afraid of the unknown. You don't know what's going to happen if I move. What if this don't go right, God? What if this happens? We start looking, we start concentrating, and we start thinking about things that haven't even happened yet. And fear comes in and paralyzes us, and we're not even moving. You think somebody numbed us with a needle because we're not moving. Fear has gripped our lives. And listen, saints of God, when fear grips your life, you have given the devil power that he does not even deserve to have over your life. Look at verse 12 for a second. He says, listen, oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power, for we have no power, for we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Listen, Jehoshaphat, fear catches on, and he says to God, God, listen, he's listening, saying, God, these people are more powerful than you are. I don't have to go with me. That's okay because I'm almost done. He's saying, listen, he's saying, he's saying it without saying it. He said, God, this multiple, these multitude, these three countries are more powerful than you are. Saints of God, listen, we got to make up in our mind for 2011 that I am not giving the devil more power over my life. You got to make up in your mind that before 2010 ends, I'm taking back every bit of power that the devil has tried to take from me. We get so caught up, oh, the devil did this. No, 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 no. The devil didn't do anything unless you allow him to be able to come into your life, come into your mind, come into your family, and do what he's already done. But you must make up in your mind that you're going to take back the power that you have given the devil. Because the Bible says, the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us power, love. And the sound mind. Somebody ought to tell the neighbor right now, take back your power. Come on, encourage your neighbor and tell him, take back your power. Tell him like you really mean it. Tell him, take back the power that you have given the enemy. Long enough we sat around here and you're worried about, you're mad about, you're angry about the different things that's going on in your life. The Bible says the kingdom suffered violence and the father takes it back by, the father takes it back by force. You better start taking back your power. You better start taking back your joy. You better start taking back your family. You better start take about everything that the devil has stolen from you because it's not his, it's mine. I get angry if somebody messes, messes with something that's not theirs. And how dare we allow the devil to come in when he's in complete violation of God's property. Fear grips our mind. We start drifting away from God because fear's focus is not on God, but fear's focus is about what's going on. So I got to ask you a question. What's your reality? Is your reality of your flesh or is your reality of God? Listen, my cousin told me this a couple days ago. He said, our flesh deals with the reality of our situation. But the spirit, but our spirits deal with the reality of God, not the reality that's around us. The flesh they always deals with what's going on. Well, I don't understand how this going. How do I? That's 
flesh. The flesh is respond. So we're panicking. We're still, oh, oh, oh. You know, you start crying, you start hyperventilating, you start shaking like that, you know. And that's what the flesh does when all the time God is saying, listen, I'm waiting to give you an answer. I'm waiting to give you the answer that you need for the problem. I'm waiting to give you the solution for the problem. But I need you to turn towards me. I need you to block out all the stuff that's going on around you. Jehoshaphat said, listen, people of God, we're going to come together. We're going to pray. We're going to fast. Nobody is eating. We are turning our face towards God. Because the one thing that if Jehoshaphat didn't know one thing, he knew that he had to get God's attention. And he knew that the only way that he would be able to get God's attention was through prayer and fasting. The Bible says some things don't come out, but only through prayer and through fasting. And so Jehoshaphat turns the hearts of the people. He turns the minds of the people back towards God. Look at verse 6. He says something here. He says this to the Lord. He says, uh, then Jehoshaphat, verse 5, then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And, and do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nation? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disasters come upon us, sword. Judgment, pestilence, famine. We will stand before this temple and in your presence for your name is in this temple and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. And now here are the people of Amnon and Moab and Mount Seir whom you have not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Hereby, here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possessions which you have given us to inherit. Jehoshaphat is pretty much going back and reminding God, God, listen, I'm just reminding you of who you are. I'm encouraging myself and acknowledging who you are. Whatever the crisis is in your life, when you're in the spot when you don't know what to do, you have to always turn your attention towards God, and you must always begin to worship and to praise God, not for what's going on, not for how he's going to bring you out, but to praise and worship God for who he is. It's the sign of a true believer of a mature believer that no matter what you're going through, I can still lift my hands and worship. I may not feel like a God. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you. Jehoshaphat said, listen, he said, Lord, he said, God, I don't know what to do. You're the only one that's going to be able to bring us out. You're the only one that's going to be able to bring us through. He said, but in the midst of everything that's going on around me, I can't do nothing but keep my eyes upon you. I can't do nothing but keep my eyes upon you. Whatever it is that you're going through, saints, whatever it is that you're experiencing in your life, don't take your eyes off God. Don't take your attention 
away from God. That's what the devil wants to do because he wants to come into your mind and place thoughts in your mind that you know that weren't even there until the devil started playing. You never thought about certain things. You never saw things a certain way until you allowed yourself to be gripped by fear and then the enemy comes into your mind and begins to mess with your mind and deal with your mind and, and plant thoughts into your mind and place fear into your mind and place intimidation into your mind and place all of these things in your mind that's not like him. But you must keep your eyes on God at all times. It does not matter what's going on around you. It does not matter how things look. But I got to keep my eyes on God. I got to keep my focus off God, on God. Because at times, at times, our spirit will become so foggy and our vision will become so foggy that we fail to recognize the blessing. Oh, I, can, I didn't really get no help right there, but that's okay because I'm about done. I got about five minutes. Let me say it again. Our spirit and our vision become so foggy that we fail to recognize the blessing that God is already doing. We focus so much on, well, God, I need you to do this. God, I need you to do that. But we fail to look at what God has already done thus far. Jehoshaphat is sitting there. He's saying, listen, God, he had to go back and remind God about who he is and how mighty he is and how powerful he is and, how, and, and, and just how great and awesome that he is. Jehoshaphat had to do that because he was recognizing that despite what's going on right now, even I know how stuff may look jacked up, that there is still a blessing in disguise that God is going to arise from this situation. What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you say when you don't know what to say? What do you think when you don't know what to think? What do you do when your back is against the wall and you have absolutely no one there for support? What do you do? Jehoshaphat says, seek God. He says, seek God and worship him, not for what he can do, but worship him for who he is. Worship him for who he is. Is there anybody in the house today that can just worship God for who he is? Listen, I know Christmas time is around. Your money is funny. Your change is strange. But can you still worship God despite what your bank account looks like? Can you still worship God even if you don't have uh, gifts underneath the tree? Can you still worship God if things don't go your way? Can you still worship God despite how you may be feeling, despite how you may, what, what you may be dealing with? Can you still worship God for who he is? We have to learn, saints of God, and I'm about done. We have to learn when to let go of certain things. While they were sitting there, while they were sitting there, the assembly was sitting there, God raised up a prophet by the name of Jehaziel. And he rose up and he said, excuse me, brother preacher, I ain't trying to be out of order. He said, but God says, this battle is not ours, but it's his. I used this illustration a while ago. I'm going to use it again today. It was a father and son 
at the airport getting ready to leave. And the son said, Daddy, I got to go to the bathroom. The son went to the bathroom and used it. The son came back out. He said, Daddy, the bathroom, the toilet didn't flush. Father goes back in there looking for the handle. And he looked at it. He checked out, checked out the toilet. Oh, he said, oh, son. He said, these are the type of toilets where you don't have to push the handle. He said, but all you got to do is step back. And the toilet will flush on its own. God is saying to us today that sometimes we have to step back and allow him to do what he desires to do. The Bible goes on to say that uh, they went to Jehaziel told him, listen, you stand your position, you take your place, you get there, and you get in position, and you will see the, how God will intervene and how God will move. Just when the people tried to come out, Jehoshaphat told them he got the praise and worship leaders, he got the singers, he got the musicians, they went out there, and then the Bible says that, um, uh, that the three countries came up against them, but God set up an ambush, and they began to go against each other, and they killed themselves until there was no one else living. And the people of Judah went over there, and they had all, they go on there, it's just nothing but dead bodies all out. And they go over there, and they see all of the goods. They see rings, they see jewelry, they see clothes. And the Bible says it took them three days to get all of the blessing back home. Don't fail to neglect that even when you don't know what to do, there's a blessing in disguise. That God will arise. Listen, I dare somebody just to don't, 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 don't clap your hands, don't get church with them, but I dare somebody right now just to begin to worship God. With your lips. With your lips. With your lips. I know things may not, are not always going your way. I know you're still trying to figure some things out where you want to go, where you want to work, where you want to live. Lord, it's the time for me to move. Is it, do I need to stay? It's just clouding up your spirit because you don't know what to do. But I dare you to worship. I dare you to worship. I'm not even asking you for nothing, Lord, but I just dare you to worship him for who he is. Come on, saints, worship him. Come on, worship him for who he is. merciful. God, you're Jehovah Jireh, you're Jehovah Elohim, you're Jehovah uh, new Lord God. You are awesome, you are mighty, you are beautiful, oh God. There's no one like you, Lord. And I worship you with the fruit of my lips. I will bless you at all times, God, when I feel like it, when I don't feel like it, when I don't know what to do, when I know what to do. I will bless you at all times, Lord. And your praise will continually be upon my mouth. Your praise will continually be on my lips. God, because you've been better to us than we've been to ourselves, Lord. 
You done brought us through danger, torrents, and snares, oh God. You brought us through things, oh God, that we thought that we would have lost our minds. We thought that we would have lost it all, Lord God. But it's been you that has kept us, oh God. You've been our king and redeemer. (coughs) When we should have lost our homes, when we should have lost our cars, when we should have lost our jobs, when we should have lost our minds, when we should have lost everything that we had. It's been you, oh God, that's been keeping us, Lord. When the light should have been turned off, when we should have been kicked out of our apartments, kicked out of our homes, oh God. It's been you, oh God, that showed up and showed out. It's been you, Lord God, that made a way out of nowhere. It's been you that opened up doors where there were no doors, Lord. When everyone else is getting laid off, oh God, we still have our jobs. It's nothing but your grace. It's nothing but your mercy, oh God. When we have more bills and we get money, Lord, you make sure everything, everything, Lord, even when those unexpected things pop up, oh God, when, 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 when doors need to be replaced, when tires don't went out, when batteries don't went out, when dryers don't went out, washers don't went out, oh God, it's been you that made a way, Lord. It's been you, Lord. And we worship you. Not for anything else, oh God, but we worship you for who you are. And we thank you for what you've already done because, God, we don't rightfully deserve it. Because we've been trifling, we've been disobedient. We've had nasty attitudes, oh God. We have not walked right up right before you, oh God. But we thank you, Lord God. And we bow in humble submission, oh God, and acknowledgement of who you are, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for humbling us, oh Lord. Forgive us for not acknowledging you, Lord God, when we turn to man instead of you, Lord. Forgive us, oh God, for depending more on our flesh than we did you, Lord. Forgive us, oh God, for depending more on man and the the acknowledgments and the accolades of men more than we did you, Lord. God, you've been better to us than we've been to ourselves, Lord. Where would we be without your love? Where would we be without your mercy? Where would we be without your grace? Where would we be if your hand wasn't upon our lives? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Someone needs to lay all their cares and their burdens down at the altar. Someone needs to leave their crisis at the altar. Someone needs to leave their situation at the altar. And give it to the Lord. Stop trying to figure it out. Stop trying to work it out when God has already done the work. The battle is not yours, but it's the Lord's. Thank you, 
Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, God, for your power. Thank you for your strength. at the altar. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Brother Mike, if you can move the communion table. 